and one, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast. We are on episode 53. We're on year two now. We made it. We made it through the we first did. year. We did it. And We're uh, one year old. <laughs> just starting to walk. Yep. Make our parents' lives hell. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, we're we're on. And um, I actually had something to say that I completely forgot. I actually don't know um, the podcasting website that we upload these to has an option to put on new seasons. But I don't know if I want to do that. I kind of like just having the number keep incrementing up and remembering yeah. in increments of 52 how many we've done or how many years we've done. Anyway, n- none of that really matters, though. We have topics. We have a plethora of topics today. So, did you want to we'll start off with that? Run out. Yeah. Yeah. You want to start uh, off with I, that question you were talking about? So, that's the thing I was just thinking about earlier today. Uh, and I, 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 I came up with it in my head. I was thinking this would be a good question to ask, guys. And I thought to myself, what would my answer to this actually be? Mm. Uh, and it took me a little bit down memory lane. Um, it'd be, what was the, the most... Ach- most... Hard fought for and earned achievement across any game you've ever played. Oh, that's actually a tricky one. Do you want to have some time to think while I talk about mine? Yeah, go for it. There's, so, there's a few I could say. I think. Yeah, there's definitely a, few, a lot of the I've, uh, achievements that I've enjoyed getting, but they haven't been the ones that I've worked the hardest to get. Probably, actually, to be fair though, some of the best ones are the ones that were the hardest to get. Mm. Because um, it took a lot of effort, took coordination in some cases. I think that has to be one of the, what, what it comes down to for me, is that, um, unsurprisingly, Payday 2, because, I mean, it does have more achievements than, like, ten games to put together. There are... It has, like, over a thousand. That's what uh, Halo Master Chief Collection is like, because it's four, well, five games now, six actually, stapled all into one. It yeah. has something like, I think it's like 700 achievements. Yeah, this one has, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to find the exact number now. Uh, 1,246. Right. Uh, anyway, so the uh, the achievement that took me like a long time... Hmm. It's not even completing the game, because completing the game is very tough on this, because you actually need to get, uh, you need to complete basically all the story missions, and then you also need to get 20 specific achievements unlocked, based, which are random based on your profile, based on whatever sequence of code the game gives you. Hmm. And then you need to go into this incredibly difficult underground place under the White House, do a puzzle while being constantly attacked, and then shoot someone in the head. No, not that one. It's a um, a level that you have to do on the hardest difficulty with a full team, and no one is allowed to get downed. Not even, like, knocked um, by, like, cloakers that can one-hit knock you. Like, if they just get within melee range... You're knocked, and none of the team can get knocked, and it's the hardest difficulty. God, I did it like a few years ago now, I think, and so it was a team of four, and it must have taken us hours and hours. I think we actually came back to it uh, for two days running, just trying to get a stupid achievement done, and 
there was a lot of frustration and rage and probably name calling because <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be that <laughs> it happens. Uh, but we finally fucking did it, and oh my god, the relief and the oh, <clears throat> so good. So uh, I'm 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 trying to think on this. There's a few things that pop to mind, but the one that comes to mind most recently is just one that I did very recently. So I have 100 percent achievements on Into the Breach now, which. Oh, yeah. It takes Those are easy achievements, though. To be fair, yeah, it, it just it's time consuming to get through them, and you unlock this secret uh, squad that you can use after that. So I'm just I was, that one was more just satisfying, but now I'm trying to think back. Um, I know I did um, Assassin's Creed Two. There was an achievement for getting all the sequences 100 percent, 100 percented. So you had to do all the bonus stuff in each mission. Yeah. That would felt pretty fucking good. Well, I'm thinking back now. I'm thinking of uh, Starcraft because mm. <laughs> I I have nearly 100 percent achievements in Starcraft too. Oh yeah, getting a getting the, the the Lost Viking complete. That was such a good achievement for you. I enjoyed that so much. <laughs> Still haven't done that one. That's that's the thing. In the wings, of, so I have 100 percent achievements in here Heart of the Swarm, and that's because there's no bullshit arcade game in that one. <laughs> Um, I like how you're so good at the game, but you can't do the stupid mini game. That's the only thing, thing stopping you. I like I, I can play through the campaigns easily on brutal. I can't play a fucking bullet hell shooter to save my life, so I'm never gonna have the fucking hundred percent achievement. You know what's even funny? I've got that twice. <laughs> so bad. Uh, and yeah, I can't play the campaign for shit. I'm terrible at Starcraft too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I, I so I, I loaded up StarCraft 2 to see. So I've got the first tier of the achievement. The, achieve, the, the full achievement, to get the full thing, need to get a score of 500,000 points. Yeah. I have tier 1, which is get 125,000. Tier 2 is get 250,000. Um, and I think I got up to 200 at one point. And that was after playing it for like a solid afternoon just to try and brute force my way through it. I just never could. Yeah. Um, or, well, I just got frustrated and gave up. Anyway. Yeah, I think we've all got those achievements where we've tried so hard to get them, and in the end we've just been like, this is not fucking worth my time. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's so many better things I could be doing with my life. Yeah, I, uh, I don't really have... the last one? I don't really have one that, that stands out super well. Like, when I think of achieve like the things I'm kind of the most proud of getting through in games, it's stuff like... At the original Halo trilogy on the Xbox, I had beaten all of them on Legendary Solo, uh, which is mm. is not that difficult for Halo 1 and Halo 3, but Halo 2's Legendary multi uh, campaign is just a nightmare. There's the achievement for completing Doom on uh, difficulty, remember? Isn't there? Well, yeah, uh, but is it Nightmare or Ultra Nightmare? I mean, I've beaten Doom on Nightmare um, and, yeah. and Doom Eternal. Trying to think. I know that's one you're very proud of. <laughs> I, I was because I never played that. I, I still haven't played any of the new Doom games on the lower difficulties. I started on Nightmare and I just kept going with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, nothing. Nothing really jumps out as a singular. Ah, oh, yes, I did this. There, there are plenty of like moments that I'm kind of proud of from uh, mm. history, and like one of them I know I've told on the podcast before that that time in a Halo Capture the Flag game where we. 
uh, killed the hacker. No, no. Well, that one, yes. But there was the other one where uh, we drowned out an enemy team's uh, chatter by singing "Happy Birthday" as loud as we could, and then stole their flag while they were distracted. Yeah. Just little little things like that. Yeah, personal achievements, not ones that are in the computer. Yeah. Although there are, I have done my share of achievement hunting over the years, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, I used to, um, I'm sure you know, I used to go out with someone who was a big achievement hunter, uh, far more than I could ever be, holy crap, mm. and uh, it was a lot of fun tracking down those achievements, even the dumb achievements, because when you're yeah. tracking down dumb achievements and you've just got someone <clears throat> to do it with, it's it's a lot more fun than just it is. sitting there solo trying to do something stupid. Well, even the, the StarCraft ones, I... Um... I'd love to just boot it up and be like, uh, I don't feel like playing multiplayer. I don't feel like doing anything serious. Oh, here's one that I haven't gotten yet. Not Lost yeah. Vikings. Um, that's why I have 100% on here, Heart of the Swarm, because I love playing that campaign, because I am I love playing Zerg. Yeah. And so I There's just no lost Zerglings. No. <laughs> I can't do that. It's that, no. My micro isn't as good. Juan maybe could have done that at one time, because he was really, really good at micro. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not, it wasn't, I don't remember it being that difficult. If I could have done it twice, and I'm not a bullet hell player, particularly. Yeah, I don't know, I just can't. I got, I've gotten close, it's just the pain of, like, you fuck up once, and then you just start losing lives, and then it's so demoralizing, and then it just, yeah, it's painful. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't want to dwell on this, because I yeah. have something funny I want to talk about. Yes, go for it. So uh, this is going to start off sounding kind of dull, um, but just trust me, follow along with me, uh, Blue and viewers, listeners, whoever the hell you are. Bluers. Bluers. Um, <laughs> yeah, here it is. So I have in front of me a uh, a report from the European Union. Yeah. And it's from their... They have a commission... On memes. Do they? That them Europeans, they like. There's a government commission for everything. They published a report called "It's Not Funny Anymore: Far Right Extremist Use of Humor." Right. So Nazis. That that's what they're trying to heavily imply. But let me list, uh, like you know, a couple of the the memes that they say are are symbols of far right extremism. You know. Mm. First one, obviously, they went with Pepe. Okay. Maybe. Wait, Pepe's an extreme... Is apparently, Pepe a Nazi? I don't know, apparently. So's, uh, so's oh Doge. God. Doge? He's a Do communist. Doge Surely. is apparently... <laughs> I don't know, but he's he's apparently... According to the EU, he's a far-right extreme meme. Have you seen all the, like, him in the, like, the, the bearskin hat things with yeah. the, the yeah. hammer and sickle? I'm just... This, this whole report from what I've read, strikes me as a bunch of, like, boomers trying to understand internet culture and failing. Oh, they also list uh, Wojak, the uh, the poorly drawn, like, face that's going like... Oh, yeah, I fucking hate that face. But yeah, yeah. that's like, that's, that's the, that was the evolution of the troll face. Yeah, yeah, and then they've also, they also, it's also the uh, iteration they made, like, the NPC meme out of it. But just, I want to read a couple excerpts from this, because it's funny. Um... Humor has become a central weapon of the extremist movement to subvert open societies and lower the threshold toward violence. Memes make people violent. Okay. Is that, that, do they give a particular example? 
Uh, they do. Like they is it the this is fine dog. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they may actually mention that in here somewhere. Um, but no, they they mention the fact that basically what they do is they point to like a couple cases of like um, uh, the like right uh, far right terrorism. Um, and what? No, Harambe. not Harambe. But they, they they go through and they they point to them and they're like, these people shared memes. Therefore, memes mm. caused these people. This is like that whole thing about, you know, the, the OK symbol becoming yeah, like, white supremacist. Yeah, which like... is... But the thing is, it was okay. it was a troll. Like, they were... It started on, like, a message board and people were like... Um, Hey, let's let's say that this means you know it's it's a WP, and then somebody think, took it seriously. Yeah, no, someone, yeah, someone in a courtroom, like a an actual supremacist, used it in a courtroom because I think he thought it was legitimately a supremacist that, thing, and then that is uh, like the, a new level of humor where you make where you say something sarcastically, and then everyone takes it seriously to the point where it becomes real. And then suddenly someone at Disney gets fired for doing the OK symbol. Yeah. Anyway, so the, the report goes on. It gives, like, some further reading. It actually references Know Your Meme in the report mm. and has a link to the website. But Nazi headquarters, and Know it, Your Meme. It actually, sorry, it also references Urban Dictionary. Um, oh, my God. So this is, you know, <laughs> top... T All I can think of is just, like, these people get paid, right? Who is paying yeah, them? Well, like, so are you saying that this is like a government-funded... This is, yes, this is a, an official report put out by the European Commission. So, yes, this is funded by European taxpayers. <laughs> Does that mean my money is going towards No, this? because you're not in the EU anymore. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, maybe that's why we left, and frankly, that's an excellent reason to leave. I think, yeah, I think this report is probably the best reason I've seen for Brexit. Also, um, like, the, the, the Commission for Memes, and they're hating on memes. It's literally the thing keeping them in a job. And they're trying to tell people it's like Nazis follow it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And it's, it's one of those things where they, they kind of, like, skipped a step in logic. It's one of those things that, like, um... Oh, what, what am I trying to say? It's like, uh... I don't. I don't know what. I don't. I don't know where I'm going. It's like this. This car crashed, and it had a radio in it. Therefore, all radios are associated with car crashes or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a terrible analogy, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like someone does something terrible wearing a Nike shirt, and suddenly Nike. Are, yeah, yeah, Nike's responsible. It's like yeah. It's like no, fuck off. All their evidence is like, hey, this. Uh, oh wait. In persuasive terms, humor is especially attractive for extremist groups, given its effect on the following. Emotions. Cognition and communication. That's right, if you talk, you might be an extremist. Yeah, so like, so Stephen Fry, obviously famous comedian. Mm. He's far right, so he must hate gays. <laughs> isn't he, he because is, he's a comedian. Isn't he actually gay? Yeah. He is, yes. Oh my god. Like, god, just how fucking stupid is that? Like, they're not even saying memes, they're saying comedy, aren't, didn't they? You said that, right? Yeah, comedy, uh, co cognition, I said. Uh, emotions, oh, okay. cognition, and communication. That's that's what makes it appealing. 
like, comedy is based off of, like, someone has to be theoretically the underdog, even if it's a, a, a non... Even if it's not a being. Well, yeah, like, something has to be the underdog of a joke. Yeah, talking in, um... I think one of the, the most clean definitions I've ever seen of humor is, um, like, humor is rooted in social transgression. So, like, it's doing something a little bit over the line. So, like, you know, you make a fart joke because it's not polite to, you know, fart in public, right? Mm. You know, you... that That's that's a very simple example. But, yeah. yeah so I mean, I call that toilet humor, which is, I think, a whole different kettle of fish, but... Yeah, yeah, it is. That's just because I don't find that funny, but... <laughs> I don't really either. Here, um, here, hold on. I gotta read this, just because this is what they did to uh, Doge. The Doge meme is one of the most famous internet memes, which has been adapted in various ways to tease a kind of outdated humor and style of individuals and politicians. Where and did you even find this? Sorry. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, so I have, um, I, I have like a feed of different like news sites from around the world. Um, and yeah. I try to, I try to have it spread out between like, um, fairly neutral stuff and biased stuff on different sides and yeah. this this some I, I saw an article talking about this and i was like that can't be real and it's on their website <laughs> it's on Jesus. it's uh what is it it wasn't like an april fools no no ec.europa.eu um that's the the website of the commission um and they i i went there and sure enough it's public you went there it's public to <laughs> you can go and see it God, it's just oh, it's so so fucking good. Can't make shit like that up. All right, I don't want to dwell on is it there, too is long. That, is, there a, is there a section for comments on that? Because I feel like if there is, there's gonna be full of people being like, "Damn it, Moon Moon, <laughs> no, you're no, a no. communist again." <laughs> no, no, it's it's an official government website, so like you can um, there's probably a way to like submit a question or something like that, but there's no. There's no comments. You think the government Frequently wants to hear from questions. The people? Pepe hands? <laughs> oh, you can't do that. <laughs> that's a, that's a symbol of hate. <laughs> so fucking... Oh, champ. Oh my god. Anyway, yeah, it's. <laughs> if I remember, I'll put a link to this in the um, in the in the, vid. the description of the podcast. I probably will forget, but it's it's really easy to find. Um. Yeah, the, their, their website is ec.europa.eu. That's the European Commission. And if you just search, um, it's not funny anymore. This will probably come up. Because uh, that's the title of the document. Honestly, the title of the document makes it sound like a parody. Well, no, that, that the title of the document like, actually kind of makes it like some memes don't age very well. Yeah. But that's like, like any kind of joke. Like some jokes don't age well. Yeah. But, well, I mean, some jokes go into like infamy... Like, yeah, Pepe is always... Pepe is old now. Yeah. And it's still going, because it's, like, ironic to use it. Um, mm. But, like, I don't know, the... the, the f well, I suppose that is... Was the frog on the unicycle? Or the, the, the skeleton with the trombone? I, I barely... Re I don't remember those. Yeah. Those are the ones that don't make it through, I guess. And those, those are ones that have kind of... They're not funny anymore. Yeah. Because we're past them. Um, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we get to move on. Yeah, I just, I, I just don't. Some of the quotes in this thing are actually kind of funny. I'll, I'll, when we're not on the podcast, I'll, I'll show you some of the other stuff in here because it's, it is, 
pretty entertaining. <laughs> this, I feel like this is just giving me the perfect ammunition to put just tons of memes on the thumbnail now as well. <laughs> I'm happy. Oh my god. Alright, do you want to, um, how much time? So I talk about what I've been playing? Yeah, this should, this will probably take us till the end of the segment, so. Oh yeah. Go on. <laughs> So I have, uh, after we've been talking about it so much in the recent couple of weeks, I think, mm. maybe it was just last week, I don't know, I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV, um, because it's free, basically, and honestly, I went into it thinking it would be a good game, because I've been watching a lot of content on it, and it has surpassed my expectations in a lot of ways. There's still things that are frustrating about it, mm. and being the cynic I am, I do take every opportunity to bitch and moan about them, but for a free title, like, without doing the paid part, there is so much content. Yeah. To to be fair, before you go into the content, should clarify, it it is free, you can get up to, like, level 60 or something like that. And, yeah. There's um, 80 levels total for the paid. Yeah. But without the paid version, you can't have friends or parties. <laughs> so well, well put. You're 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 relegated to playing solo, except for doing raids when you're playing the game for free. So do do bear that in mind with everything that Blue is about to describe. Yeah, so you can you can meet up with your friends in the game. You can still go around fighting stuff with them. But you can't directly party up if that makes mm. sense, unless you have a friend who is doing a paid prescription, then everyone can go into his party, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but other than that, there are a remarkably small n number of things that I've not been able to do. Um, there's, like, a, a jobs board somewhere in one of the cities that I wasn't able to access because I didn't have paid. Oh, yeah, I ran into that one, too. But that aside, everything is free. Uh, you can do, as far as I'm aware, all of the classes are free. You can't unlock two of the, um, uh, I was about to say ethnic roles. Uh, what am I talking about? Races. Races. Two of the races, which literally don't make any difference to the game because it's just a cosmetic thing. It is, but what if you wanted to play a lion man or a, what is it, a bunny girl? Well, yes, but Those are the lion two. man, lion girl, bunny boy, bunny girl. No, no, the, it's monogender. <laughs> Oh, is it? On yeah, those, those those last two ones. You, uh, you're you're lion man and your bunny girl. That's it. That's kind of weird. I'm surprised they don't have bunny boys. I feel like they missed a trick on that one. Uh, yeah. Either way, you can still get bunny ears for your character at the casino. Which, oh boy, the casino is fucking gold. It's brilliant there. I love it. Um, it's like an arcade, except you basically always win. You don't always win. It does take some modicum of skill to win. Mm. Uh, and they've got so many prizes there. They've got card games that I love and hate. <laughs> uh, because once you start doing the card games there, the whole world has people that you come across in your travels that will play card games with you and you can win cards off of them. Mm. Um, there's Mahjong. There's uh, a bit of parkour game mode. Which is weird for an MMO, but also great. Uh, there's a FPS aspect for one of the games. There's a whole bunch of different things. Um, 
and Chocobo racing as well. Chocobos, if you don't like Chocobos, what's wrong with you? They're giant chickens you can ride on. Mm. They're adorable. They are, actually. Uh, but anyway, the main game isn't about the casino. Uh, it's a lot of grinding, and granted, that's what you're going to expect from an MMO. Yeah. Um, but the... the my, my opinion on, on the content I've played so far is that the early stages of the game are a bit of a slog. You have to get past... What is it, like 22 missions or so before you can access the other areas? The whole, the world opens up a lot more. Mm. Um, and with opening up the world, you can access the different guilds. You can do a lot more different things. Yeah. There's everything from being a botanist to being like a dark sorcerer. <laughs> um, you can fish, you can do construction, you can be a melee brawler, you can be an uh, what's the astrologian? Uh, which is, I think, a magic person that studies the stars and shoots lasers. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's kind of fucking nutty the amount of stuff that you can do. Um, it's a laser and, gypsy. And uh, but the, my my favorite part so far has been around level fifteen. You get access to these things called raids. Mm. Uh, and you go into a party with uh, three other people and it's essentially like a dungeon where you fight a load of little mobs and then several sub-bosses and then one big boss at the end and you get special loot, you get special equipment from specific dungeons um, yeah, and you get achievements and stuff like that and it's just it kind of forces you to be a little bit sociable, because you need to work as a team to complete them. Yeah. Um, especially the harder ones. If you're doing something wrong, people will tell you. But I'm... at the same time, once a raid is done, you can leave and now have to speak again if you're feeling anxious about it. Yeah, raids tend to, in most MMOs, they tend to be the like the, the prime endgame content. Because like, mm. I know in... I, I never played it to any significant extent but I know in WoW they had like 40 person raids and all these big things um, I think they had them in this as well I just haven't got to any of yeah, yeah, the first I'm talking like end game stuff when I say that mm. yeah I know um, you, you basically fight the fighting the, the primals or basically like gods in this yeah and you do end up like it like it, it requires a remarkable amount of coordination um, yeah because I don't know about the other classes, because I've specced into tank. Um, there's a lot of things you need to pay attention to. So first of all, your abilities, there's like particular orders you need to do them in to get the most damage. You need to also, I need to personally put on a lot of uh, protective shields so that the healer doesn't have to spend all of her mana healing me up, trying to keep me alive. Mm. Uh, I also need to keep the enmity, which is the... Uh, Basically keeping all the enemies attacking me instead of the rest of my party. Yeah. And basically, if I get pushed off the side of the map, then the whole team is in a lot of trouble because they can't revive me when I'm off the side of the map and I can't do anything to tank the hits. Uh, same with if the healer dies, I'm going to die pretty quickly because I can hold out for a little while, but I can't get any health back without the healer. Yeah. And if the DPS dies, it's just going to take fucking forever because me and the healer 
have to just slowly grind away at the, the boss. Yeah, there's... You can see kind of how, even in these small-scale raids, it requires a remarkable amount of coordination. Yeah, especially when there's more than one enemy or objectives you have to do while in the boss room. Because quite often you're fighting the boss and then, like, three glowing pillars will appear. Mm. And the team has to interact with those pillars or the boss will suddenly get a lot harder and quite easily wipe the raid. Wipe being, like, kill everyone in the party. Yeah. That was something that was uh, nice with um, Destiny head raids, too. I didn't really do them that often. But it's kind of nice. Even when you have an asshole in a team, it gives flavor to the game because it's that extra challenge of someone's not doing their job right, so I have to fucking step up and do mine better. <laughs> um, like, if someone's attacking a bunch of different enemies, the ones that the rest of the group attacking, then those enemies will attack him instead of me. Mm. So I have to make sure I'm attacking more than one person at the same time, so that they're all attacking me. Uh, or if, like, the interaction things come up and people aren't doing them, mm. then I have to either start screaming at them in chat, <laughs> or I have to somehow find a way of doing it myself without getting hit, because I'll get interrupted if I get hit. Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot, but yes, there is a lot of grinding to this game. Uh, I would recommend it, especially seeing as it's a free game. And I think if in uh, like a few months' time, when I finally completed all there is to complete in the free section, I think I will be happy to um, pay for a subscription because although it is it's pretty expensive, it's like um, ten, twelve pounds, so what, fifteen dollars a month. Mm. The quality that I've seen so far has given me enough faith that I think I'd be happy to pay that much. Yeah, it is a fairly pretty game, and there does seem to be a lot of content. Uh, like I've obviously I've been playing along with you, not nearly as far as you are. I think <laughs> my one character. You've got a lot more stuff happening in life to be fair at the moment. <laughs> there, there is that, and plus this weekend, which we will talk about in the next segment. Uh, the beta for Halo Infinite dropped, and I got yeah. access to it. They only gave it out to a few thousand people. I got it. Your boy stole one. That's right. <laughs> Earning me the yeah. enmity of a couple of my friends who desperately wanted the to enmity. play enmity. Do you not know what that word means? Well, I was just talking about it in regard to stealing the attention of enemies. <laughs> I didn't uh, know it was an actual well, like word. <laughs> do you, Do you know what the word actually means, though? Uh, the attention? No, enmity is like, um, like hatred. Like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> enmity, like if you if you have if you have enmity for someone, you you despise them, you hate them, you're angry at them. I see. Yeah, I see. Which is why I think you you'd use it as a taunt ability. You use it on them. Yeah, that no, makes sense. They come at you. Um, yeah. But little, a little little dictionary lesson, a little grammar lesson at the end of this uh, segment of the podcast. Um, it's funny how you teach me words that, like, kind of uh, uh, older words that people don't use these days. Mm. And I teach you words that we just say in England that you don't say for that. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, I've gotten weird looks before. Cause I think because I spend so much time, like... Um, interacting, in yeah, you. in conversation with you for this podcast, a lot of it. Um, I've actually started using phrases and like sentence mm. structure that is Idioms. more, 
yeah, that's more common over there that isn't common here. And I get weird looks from coworkers sometimes because <laughs> it's just it sounds odd because I'm, I'm developing I, my accent was already a weird hybrid because my dad has like uh, more of a, a Massachusetts Boston kind of accent and my mom has an, a Midwestern accent. And so mm. mine ended up being a weird combination of the two. Um, a combination of country and city. Yeah, and then now I'm mixing in a little bit of England with my already hybridized accent. Hmm. Anyway. All right, <laughs> that's going to be the end of segment one of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you'll hear us again momentarily for segment two. And welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast. We are on segment two, our media segment. And uh, this week, didn't watch movie night, but got a couple things to talk about. Starting, So I, I had two things in particular that I've told you. One, I teased in the end of segment one. I got into the Halo Infinite beta. I've been playing it a lot yesterday. I intend to play it a lot today. Uh, but, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm more hopeful than skeptical now at having played it. Uh, but then I also wanted to talk a little bit more about Doctor Who because I did mention that I was watching it, you know, while playing Dyson, and I've continued to just kind of in the background, and um, I have some thoughts on uh, one of the arcs. So for- starting off with the Halo series, yeah, uh, I did watch a game that you you showed me of it yesterday. I am more skeptical of it, but as a not fan of the series, that's obviously to be expected. Yeah. Um, so why don't you like start with what's different with this Halo from other Halos? So my major complaint with the way the Halo series has gone in recent years is that you had Halo 1, and it, it that's the genesis. It was like just an awesome shooter, people loved it, and it kind of it propelled almost single-handedly the Xbox to where it was, to, to it actually became mm-hmm. a, a brand capable of competing against you know Sony and Nintendo. Then Halo 2, my personal favorite in the entire series, um, because that's when you had Xbox Live come in. And the multiplayer, while it had some rough patches, it was one of the best ones out there. And then mm. just the, the ability to get on and just be talking to people for on a console game, that was awesome. Um, you know, it was a much, much different time. You didn't have private parties and uh, you had proximity chat. So if somebody was calling you a little crybaby bitch, you had to listen to it. Um <laughs> It was, so, it was a magical uh, time. I was always a uh, a PlayStation kid mm. for the longest time, but before I moved for PC, this is. And so I have a natural hatred for Xbox players, <laughs> and by extension, Halo. Um, and I think the particular reason why I hate Xbox more than anything these days is because it brought about the... Subscription fee for online that's used now in Nintendo and in Sony, and now across the platform, if you want to play on a console, you have to play pay monthly for the online service. And I yeah. fucking hate that because I hate subscriptions. <laughs> but that's yeah. that's not Halo. Uh, Halo itself, I've played Halo Reach and actually some of the older Halos mm. when I'm going around a friend's house, and frankly. If you're around a friend's house, playing Halo, that's how Halo is meant to be played, in my opinion. Yeah. 
that's the best times. When you're playing with other people in the same room, you're screen cheating and pissing them off by running them over with one of the ghosts. <laughs> like, that's the be That's funny shit. So It's not a serious game. So, um, um, sorry, are you leading to a, a point or... Yeah, sorry, I was getting there. Um, and I'm assuming it's got the same thing for this game, but what with games moving away from couch co-op these days... I don't know if that is still a thing. So, here's... Well, I, I don't know that for certain right now. But what I can okay. tell you, that is one of the classic bits and one of the best parts about it. We used to, back in um, high school, a bunch of my friends would get together and we'd throw these you know, big LAN parties. Mm. Um, and we'd drag, like, one of my friends, they'd all bring their Xbox, you know, we'd drag, like, I had a TV up in my bedroom, we used the living room TV, dragged the one from my bedroom, this old shitty TV in my basement, we'd drag that one up, and, you know, one of my friends would bring a TV if we didn't have one, all four, so we'd have four Xbox, that was the max, we'd do 16 player, and, yeah. you know, a bunch of other friends, even the ones that didn't play, bring them all over, and one of them my mother played. <laughs> we actually, I gotta, I gotta tell this story, it's a fun little anecdote. Uh, we had a tournament, and it was 2v2, and a couple of my friends um, had brought their, their girlfriends, too. And so there were a couple couple. We had There was a couple team of couples. And um, we're playing through, and one of the matches ended up being uh, my friend uh, Joel and his girlfriend and versus my friend Tom, who's quite good at, at Halo. So we thought that would be an even match, because Joel's pretty good. His girlfriend's, you know, okay at the game. Um, my friend Tom is really good at it, and then my mother had never played it before in her life. But yeah. she she had her own Xbox, so she did play video games, but she didn't play shooters. So we were kind of coaching her on how to play and stuff like that. And um, not only did Tom and my mother win the match, but like one of it wasn't the the final kill or anything. But at one point, we're all like coaching her on how to play. You know, you know, s sitting over her shoulder, we got her to go up behind Joel. And assassinate him. You know, he hit somebody mm. in the back with a melee, and it's an insta kill. And we all just started cheering. It was so, it was so fucking stupid. But you're right. That is what those games, what made those games like a lot of fun in the early days was going over your friend's house, sitting down on the couch, and playing. They got rid of that in later releases. This is where they, one of the ways that Halo Five went significantly wrong. Not only did they have no like multiplayer, sit on the couch, play together. They had no mm. no local co-op. It was all online. So if, if you had a friend over and you wanted to play co-op, you had to have two Xboxes, you had to be online, and you had to have two TVs. Like, they didn't... They, they completely got rid of the couch co-op thing, and it was it was a big blow when that came out. But Halo, yeah. Halo 4 was trying way too hard to be Call of Duty. Halo 5 got a little bit closer to the old Halo feel. But they added in all these weird mobility abilities that just didn't feel like they belonged in Halo. Um, okay. But this game is starting to inch even further back towards feeling like an actual Halo Halo. Um, yeah. There's still a few things that have been added in, but they're not that obtrusive anymore. Like, the core gameplay still feels, feels a lot closer to Halo 3 than either of the two before it like there's sprint which got added in at one point um again halo never had that you just had a flat movement speed but even now the sprint is very minor it doesn't make you move that right. much faster 
The weapons have a nice chunky feel to them. They have zoom on all the weapons, but it's just like an optical zoom. It doesn't actually change the accuracy of the guns. Yeah. Um, there, There's a wide variety of different guns. They got rid of the... Well, at least in the beta, I haven't seen any of the stupid fucking hit-scan laser weapons. Um, it's, what do you mean? You're using one... Oh, wait, a hit-scan. No, sorry. No. Yeah, yeah. Specifically. You might want to explain hit-scan to the audience. Oh, yeah. I think... So hit-scan is it's referring to the idea that like, there's no time delay between when the bullet leaves the gun in the game and when it impacts whatever you're aiming at. Hmm. So, if I shoot somebody 100 yards away, um, that bullet hits them near instantaneously. There, there's yeah. no there's no delay, there's no bullet drop-off, there's nothing. So it's impossible to, like, kind of bob and weave and dodge. And they're hyper-accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they've kind of they've they've moved away from that as far as I can see. Uh the map was bland and mediocre, but it was just a arena like MLG style map. Um hoping that they'll get back to having like the big open maps that are like asymmetrical, bring the vehicles back in. Um there's a whole bunch of customization features which I don't really give too much of a crap about, but yeah. You can put skins on vehicles. And they're also making the multiplayer free-to-play and cross-platform. So Xbox players can play with PC, can play with Xbox. Um, they're, they're making a lot of correct moves, I think, to make this a successful Halo release. Because mm. that's what they're going for. This is the first big game that's come out for the new Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. So they're, I think they're trying to go for another... Halo 1 level release where it comes out and it basically makes the console. Do you think um, that they will do what a lot of games do and that they'll start off uh, hyper accurate, hyper serious Halo franchise only stuff Mm. and then they'll start doing what I'm going to now start calling the Golden Spoon uh, path where they start making batshit stupid crazy funny uh costumes oh. and weapons for the game do you yeah. think it'll go down that route they because that is sellout I'm, I'm saying it now it's sellout <laughs> they might do skins like that yeah but i don't think they're you're gonna see that happen with weaponry one thing that halo has always done well and always taken very seriously mm-hmm. is their sandbox like the weapons that are in the game are all very well balanced to work with each other, right? And I think that they're going to keep going with that. Like that even the the Halo games that I didn't really care for too much, they took that seriously. So I don't think you're going to see like a comedy weapon pop into the game and break it. Um, well, the reason I say that is because they're showing a couple of signs of degeneracy, all right? <laughs> First of all, battle passes. Now these aren't big signs of degeneracy. First of all, is there a real-world cost to the Battle Pass, or can you do it without paying a dime? Uh, They have indicated that there will be both varieties, but one thing that they have also said is that the Battle Passes never, like, go away. So if you buy a Battle Pass, right, and... Okay, that's something. And, like, a new... Say you, you don't play the game for two months, and now it's two seasons later, and there's two more Battle Passes... You can still earn XP on the old one that you purchased. Um, like the, you don't have so to like more rush like it. buying a DLC than uh, yeah. A that, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to buy it, give you. It's it's more like a DLC that you slowly unlock. 
um, and mm. there's no like rush, like oh, I gotta play this right now, otherwise I'll lose everything, and you, you yeah. just end up throwing ten dollars down the drain or something like that. They're even with the battle passes, they're they're making like right moves, in my opinion. Like if they're gonna put it in, doing it this way is probably the best way to do it. And then the second far more worrying degeneracy. The loot box system. I don't think they have loot boxes. Do they not? Nope. Okay. They, they, what they do, they you can buy... They have those boosters, but what those are, are yeah. like, you get more XP to get the battle pass faster. Yeah. I mean, they're a, a little bit annoying, but much like in HOTS, I don't think they really matter. Yeah. That's that's um, the only thing that I've seen. But as far as I've seen, there are no loot boxes, and I haven't heard them say that they're going to put anything like that in. Yeah, okay, um, so they've gone for a kind of Rainbow Six Siege style where you got a battle pass and you can buy boosts if you want to, but it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, like I and they in the beta they gave you like uh, three thousand points of test currency, which is yeah. enough to buy everything that's in the store in the beta. Um. And so I, you know, I, I bought a couple things, bought the battle pass, you know, in there because it's all it's free in the, the beta, just to hmm. test out and see how it worked. Um, and it's one thing I'll say in the beta is that they they seem to be. The more I see of this game, the more I think that they're taking the correct attitude towards putting it out, because in the the beta is glitchy, but hmm. in game, in the actual gameplay itself, I have only encountered one glitch, and that was. If two people try to pick up a power weapon at the exact same moment, they both get it, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, to be fair, though, you still got and payday too. If you're picking up thermite at the exact same tick, you mm -hmm. both get it. Yeah, so um, it's it's not. There's some instability. There's there's that, but the gameplay itself is solid. The bots mm -hmm. are functional, if a little easy to fight. Um, the like the the guns and shooting mechanics all work very very well. All of the glitches I've found have been in the menus, in the loading screens, in the connection. So, like, yeah. it'll drop connection to the server sometimes. Um, the menus will start blinking on and off. Uh, occasionally, if you look at an item, it'll just be blank. Um, and the game has crashed a few times, but only in the menus. The game itself has been very, very stable, which tells me that mm. that's where all their effort has been going. And I like that. that is good. That's a good sign. The real test will be when it's PvP. Hmm. I feel like they've gone for quite a safe beta. PvP is Sunday, so they're yeah, so they're yeah they're doing bots uh, yesterday and today, and um, they've been rotating through a few maps. I've only I've played on two of them so far. One of mm -hmm. they they only added another one in last night, and then supposedly sometime midday Sunday they're going to be unlocking the PvP mode. So four v four. And if if any of the viewers want to see. Some of this content is on the TMCJ YouTube channel. Mm. If you want to see what it actually looks like for yourself. Yeah, I will be uh, putting together a video uh, for next week. That'll actually go out before this this podcast gets released. Yeah, that's why I was saying it in the current tense as opposed to. Yeah, so so um, when this by the time this podcast goes out, um, that video will uh, will be live on the channel. Yeah, exciting stuff. Yeah. Uh, All right. Where are we at? Other thing. Okay. Um, is the uh, continuing to completely different tone, uh, Doctor Who. Doctor Who, yes. I've been continuing Which to watch. We always it. have things to talk about on Doctor Who. Yeah, I've been continuing to watch it, and 
you know, we, we sang the praises the last time we talked about it of the uh, David Tennant David Tennant arc. We also shat on it pretty hard. Well, <laughs> little column A, little column B. It's still one of the best yeah. arcs in the uh, the new. Oh yeah, no, sorry, David Tennant we didn't shit on. It's yeah, the later yeah. series. Yeah, it was the later series. I was going to say. Yeah. Um, but I'm on the fourth uh, season of him, where he's with uh, Donna, um, the character that did yeah. find very endearing. One thing I'm finding in this series, and I'm not sure if it's intentional or not, um, but much more so than in the the four seasons that pre- or the three seasons that precede this one, there's a lot more questionable moral decisions. Yeah. Um, like, and I, I think they're kind of leading up to this because in the the final arc where they do all the mo- the, the movies and he he dies and transforms into the the next Doctor, um, it ends up just be like you're. I think what you're seeing in this season, and this is something that I just thought of now because I was actually going to shit on these things that I was about to say, but now I'm starting to think, well, maybe this was actually like purposefully done in the writing, right? He, he, like, in this season, he acts a lot more angry, a lot more terse with people. He's a lot less forgiving when people are, you know, uh, just doing something that he doesn't like. He's a lot yeah, less, he's like... Had, he's had it with people's shit. Yeah. He, he, he becomes a lot less empathetic uh, in this arc. Like, mm. you end up... People who got, like, completely brainwashed and taken advantage of... Um, he basically just shouts in their face, and the, even when the the people that that person like somewhat redeems themselves and sacrifices themselves to save everyone. I feel like you're talking about a particular example. I'm trying to work yeah. out who it is. All right. Well, let's. So, um, it's not very spoilers at this point. <laughs> that's that's true. I was just I didn't know if you wanted to try and take a guess or if I could uh, just go. Oh no! Okay, give me give me a clue. All right. Uh, it is a genius person. In the end, near, near the Donna times. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's midway through the Donna arc. Hmm. I don't think it's. No, that's not that's Capaldi anyway. Uh, no, wait, it's not Capaldi. It is David Tennant. It all Capaldi is in that episode. I, I was thinking of the Pompeii one. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's the first episode. And that one is that one is good. Um, I did. I really liked. It. I I don't really have any complaints about that one. I did like that episode. Yeah, it's not um, a genius though. Um, no. This one takes place on Earth. I'll give you that other example. It takes place on Earth in the modern day. In the modern day? Well, Ooh. the modern day being, like, you know, nine or ten years ago at this point. The only other genius I'm thinking about is Whaler in the, in the previous series. Yeah. No, I can't think of it. Who is it? It's that episode with the Saltarans where um, they try to gas the world and... Oh, the Sun Suntarans, yeah, and they moved the hospital to the moon. Nope, nope, that's a different. No, that's that's where he recruits Martha. That's the previous season. Yes, true. So uh, this... You'll talk about the one with the cars. Yep. Then. Yeah, where they the fucking genius in the that guy was a prick, dude. He was a prick, but how do I put this? He was a prick. He did leave him to die or something, didn't he? Yeah, basically. So he was a prick, and he, but he was essentially being manipulated. Like, they, they took advantage of the fact that he was insecure, alone, and isolated, and then they they used him to essentially kill off the planet, and yeah. when he gets rejected by the people, the, the students that he was kind of training, like, he's just kind of completely shattered, like, curling on a, up on a ball on the floor crying. And I did always think it was kind of ridiculous that 
a supposed boy genius was tricked by an armored potato. <laughs> but I think they, they tricked him by playing on his emotions um, and his insecurities. Yeah, well, they have strong emotions and insecurities about, you know, fighting. So, like, they're on a level playing field, and he's a fucking genius. So, like, he I, got what he deserved a bit. It's not the most nuanced thing, but what I'm talking about is the, the way the doctor reacts to it. Because when he re- like, the kid realizes that everything's gone wrong, um, you know, he, the doctor goes to his place to use the teleport thing to get up there and confront the yeah. Centauran people. And, um,. He, uh, like, he just basically shouts in the kid's face and tells him to get the fuck out of the way. And then the, the kid does have a redemption arc. Like, he, he teleports himself up to the, excuse me, up to the ship to trade place with the doctor and essentially blow himself up. Yeah. You know, saving everyone. So he does redeem himself, but there's not even a second thought given to it. Like, it's, doctor's just like, oh, hey, I'm alive. Cool. Nothing. Not a not a not a moment, not a speck of sympathy for the person that just blew themselves up, you know, to save everyone and him. Well, I mean, he died a noble death in the end, so I guess that was something. Yeah, it, maybe I'm thinking too far into it, um, but th- there are other examples too. That's just one that uh, the most recent one that I saw. Mm. Yeah, I think they one of the things they missed was that they made and let me finish the save because. There's something that I very much don't mean, and the thing that I very much do mean, and that is that they've moved away from politics, but they've moved into real-world politics, which, as in, they, they, they start trying to teach you a lesson about the world's politics, mm-hmm. which they're not really in a position to do, but they've moved away from the politics of, like, uh, do you remember the Adipose episode? Yep. Where they were like, the, the villain was, it was like, a, <laughs> they were targeting obese people for a reason, because they were making children, and that has so many fucked up out, like parts to it. Like, I wouldn't yeah. say the monster was a very, it wasn't a very good monster, because there wasn't really, a the mon- monster was a human. Yeah. And. It was a, um, yeah, that was a very nuanced episode. Yeah, and the same with, like, um... Do you remember the, the, the Blitz one with, uh... Are you my mummy? Yeah. Fucking terrifying episode if you're a kid. That was, a, um, that was really good. I mean, it's terrifying for me as an adult when I watched it. Yeah. Um, and that was, like, a, a kind of a, a hygiene thing. It was talking about the Blitz. Mm. It was um, someone who made a mistake and, like, medically altered a child. Yeah. Well, and, um, and then you've got, well, yeah. just going back to the the fat one, uh, the adipose one, like even yeah. that one, it's it's critiquing kind of the fact that people don't, uh, they think they can use science to basically counter their own poor decision making. Like, oh, I got you know, I got yeah. fat, but I can just take this magic pill and look, I'm losing fat. Thank um, but, God, kind of thing. Yeah, but there's consequences, uh, and you know, then there's the fact that like even the villain, like you said, it's. There's a bit of moral ambiguity there. They they were essentially trying to repopulate, you know, uh, get some fresh, I don't know, young to re revamp their species, and uh, yeah. but they were doing Illegal it all daycare or something. Yeah, and then um, the the woman planet. the woman who was doing this, she thought she was going to be rewarded, and they just threw her away, and you know, 
killed her. Yeah. Just, there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance. It it they did do a critique of like real world things, but they did it in a very subtle way. Yeah, and they weren't speaking directly to camera when they did it. Um yeah, there was there was a lot more layers to it, whereas these days it's more like, here's an evil person. They want power. Yeah. So you have to blow them up with their own thing to teach them a lesson. But it's just so... It's like... Put it this way. I bet there's no story out there in the fucking history of the universe talking about converting human fat into illegal daycare children <laughs> but there being an evil person who wants more power and then they get killed because of their own greed is the most common boring fucking subject like, yeah it's everywhere but th- this is a don't want to rehash what we said on the other podcast but that that is essentially the summary of the later seasons is um yeah. just just lazy generic bland writing Mm-hmm. God. And that's what made the early episodes so good. I mean, apart from the fact they had A-class acting. Yeah, better talent. Um, it was the fact that the stories... Like, you could talk about any episode for hours. Hmm. Um, whereas... The... And they didn't, they didn't fall into... There, there's a temptation when you get a show like this that has sort of... Um intellectual pretensions Mm -hmm. it's very easy to just get you know so far up your own ass that you just like you're like oh look how clever i am i'm going to tell this very subtle story now look at me they never really got too full of themselves in those earlier seasons because it was still fairly new it it was burgeoning popularity but the later seasons definitely they got way too consumed with their own like legend yeah like, an episode you would have watched quite recently, uh, The Werewolf in, what was it, Scotland? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one with, yeah, the, they, the Queen arrived. Yeah, the Queen, Victoria, and then there's there's werewolves. and Like, for a start, okay, werewolves, it's been done before, but it is still an interesting creature. Yeah. And they talked about how, like, the, uh, the, the oil of the vines or some of uh, holly or something mm. keeps the wolf away. And then, like, the light of the moon, concentrated kill, whatever. And then at the end, they, it's about to round off the episode, and then the queen's like, I shall call this place Torchwood. Yeah. And it's... And then it's like, oh, fuck. Because you know already <laughs> that they're, they're like an organization that shows up later, and... Yeah. They're, they're sort of, like, meant to track down and secretly deal with um, aliens. And they also talk about how, like... That the royalty continues to be werewolves for several years after or something. I don't know if that was a throwaway joke, but I think they hark back to that later on. I could be wrong. They, they kind of... It's something they, they play with for a couple episodes and then kind of toss out. Mm. I know she turns up in the uh, Shakespeare episode. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, they, they, they did do a lot more like intertwining of the different storylines in that first one. But they kind of, the, the moment they got to uh, the Matt Smith arc um, as the Doctor, yeah, they kind of, well, yeah, but they, they did something that's very understandable why they did. They essentially, like, blew away the existing uh, canon 
And by that I mean like a lot of the twists and turns and interconnectivity that built up with David Tennant, they got rid of it so they could kind of have a fresh slate to go forward. And they did make some good, like particularly in that yeah. first episode, I remember for weeks I was hearing people talking about fish fingers and custard. Um, Honestly, like, it sounds they, like it they got some things good. right. Like the comedy was really good for children. Yeah, but they didn't really push the boundaries at all. When I think we talked about safe. we talked about it last time. The River Song plotline was very good, but it had a shitty mm. ending. Mm. It, it started so well with Vashta Narada. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait till I get to that. That I haven't seen that episode yet, but that one's coming up soon uh, in my watch mm. through. I loved that episode. That so, would send children to bed in fucking tears, thinking the shadows are going to eat them. Yeah, so the, um, for reference, the, the episode in question, I'm just going to describe the plot of this, and then we can probably start to wrap this up, because this will bring us to the end. Um, they, they travel to a future location, and they're, they're in a library, a planet-wide library. Um, and it's all, like, eerily empty and quiet. And they go around and they encounter, uh, like, an expedition team in there. And they're, they're confused how these people got there. Because the, apparently the, the whole moon was quarantined because people were vanishing and they, they had to evacuate or whatever. And it turns out that there were these little kind of, like, um, microscopic, like, mite things that essentially function like piranhas. But when they're all together in one cloud, they look like just a shadow. Or like a dark area, so mm. as a predatory species, they move from shadow to shadow, and so if if they get into the darkness, or if you go into the darkness, they could just fucking eat you, and you're down to like bones in seconds, just like with a piranha. Um, and so it yeah, it became a big horror thing of like you know you have to always stay in the light, you can't go into the shadows because if you see these things, then or if you if you walk in there, you might be eaten by these things in two seconds. Is it? harrowing episode and just really really good mm. yeah episode that make you fear the dark yeah I think when it comes down to like <laughs> I mean it's not it's not a horror series it's not about making people scared every time but like the ones that freaked me out as a kid are the ones that I remember and I remember them being really good yeah like I, said, I couldn't watch that blitz one uh, I had, it was like the third time I watched it that I actually finished watching it. Um, there was one in a hospital that was all about disease. And like yeah. these people that had all the diseases. Yeah, that one grossed and, me out. Ooh, that was horrible to watch. But I still remember it. And I guess that's what makes it show good is when you remember something. Um, it had well, that, that kind of variation. That, that's kind of the thing. I like... And you can you can really tell that because the first season I remember first first all the David Tennant stuff in the first season the one before that I remember most of the episodes pretty vividly. Um, when you get to Matt Smith, I remember some episodes pretty well, but not most of them. And then no. when you get to Capaldi, I remember like a couple scenes that I found funny. Um, and then when you get to the new chick, uh, what's her name? I can't even remember her name. I yeah, I basically I just I remember like two things and they're the things that pissed me off enough to make me stop watching the show. Mm. And uh, apparently she's stepping down soon. Yeah, and they're they're saying that the show's going to continue. So right, I was going to say I don't know if they're going to cut it there or I think I think what it needs is much like they did before, 
they need to cut it, give it a few years, come back to it with a fresh, renewed effort with new director, new actors, yeah, new scenes, bigger budget. And maybe kind of maybe do another canon wipe again like they did with uh, the beginning of the Matt Smith thing. Like, they didn't do a hard reset, but they did a soft reset. Like, got rid what of with the lives. No, remember how, like, in the beginning of the, the Matt Smith arc, they, like, blew away all of time and space and then brought it back? Mm, oh, what, with the... So the last episode of David Tennant being when he... The, the Time Lords returned. Uh, that's that's another point, actually. Uh, that, that one did happen. But I, I was actually thinking of the one where Matt Smith is, like, in a box and they blow away the universe... Like all the stars oh, are disappearing. Um, the Pandora's box. Yeah, that one. Yeah, well, they, what did they do in that? Like, they, they removed the Doctor from... From time, time and space. space. Yeah, and then blew everything up and then brought it all back and then unlocked him. Or something like that. It was a yeah. very... Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Let's uh let's end it there. Because now we're just... We're kind of... We're, we're retreading old ground at this point. Yeah. All right, this is going to be the end of segment two of the Team CJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again momentarily for segment three. Welcome back to the Team CJ podcast. We are on segment three, our wild card, and we are back to a game that we tried once but never actually went back to. Uh, that we've actually forgotten the name for. Uh, it's that alternate history game that where Blue tells me something and then I you try. Sound like it sucked, guys. <laughs> well, it was it was good. I enjoyed it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Neither of us remember once what and we never came back to it. Forgot what it's called. So fuck it. <laughs> I guess I did uh, say that quite flippantly, but <laughs> no, fun game. Uh, so he he he's going to give me a scenario and I'm going to suss out based on my my knowledge of history and geopolitics mm. what what would happen in this scenario and then always at the end of uh once we've worked out kind of what's happened to the world we work out where we would be within that scenario yeah okay so the first uh alternate timeline is oh fuck i've written down a place that's really hard to get to okay first one what if back in let's say around medieval times hmm when the Crusades are happening, uh, and that kind of thing. And basically all the countries uh, are fighting to make their uh, religion the one true world religion. Yeah, which was probably what was happening at the time. Yeah, and but going on into the future, the religions become the, the head of a country. Hmm. And... Um, Based on uh, certain, like I'm using the Crusades as an example because they're they're probably more of a uh, fractious time between the religions. Uh, basically, what would happen if religion took over the world? Like they were in charge. So instead of just having pockets of religious oligarchies, that's the norm around the world, is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, so if you're breaking the law, you're not breaking the law. You're breaking a religious uh, law. Yes. So this is an interesting one because it did happen in certain places around the world, mm. um, especially but never recently. No, like probably the the most recent one would have been like, well, actually, technically, that's the system of government in Iran right now. Um, the The head of state is actually the head of the religion in that 
head of the church. Oh dear. Yeah, in that country. Um, but, and it did happen in the Ottoman Empire. They had uh, the caliph, who was the head of the Islamic Caliphate, which was a state religion. Yeah. So, it, it, it was a lot, the reason it pops up a lot, just a little fun trivia fact, the reason it pops up a lot um, in, especially with uh, Islam, is that their religion actually includes like a codified rule, uh, like list of laws and things and, you know, prescribed ways you should behave with other religions like, um, you know, uh, Confucianism and, you know, uh, Christianity, Judaism. Mm. They, they have like some hard and hard things written down, but they're more like moral and philosophical, philosophical. They're, they're less, uh, Hard and fast, they're like yeah, and they're, they, there's, there's definitely more chilled. I say chilled religions like um like like in Buddhism, like they have yeah, that that uh I don't know if it's still a fact, but like the head of Buddhism, mm. uh the I can't think of his name now. He was like the 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 leader of of the country, mm. uh for the longest time. Well, you see this with um a couple different religions like you saw uh in in like uh ancient india they their rulers were actually like the this warrior priest class in a lot of it, it was I, can't, I say india thinking of the modern country but it was actually like a dozen different countries all around the area mm-hmm. um so let's all right so let, let me let me try to think so if if basically if we came to the modern does it all have to be under one religion or is it just all all countries all areas are ruled by a religion so Particularly around Europe, Christianity would be the okay. overarching ruler. So, so if, probably Rome would become the capital of like Europe. Yeah, yeah, or wherever the Pope happened to station themselves. Because remember, yeah. for a while the Pope was stationed in France. Although that probably wouldn't have happened because the whole reason it happened was the King of France was like, Fuck "You Pope, you're not my boss," and he took him up to France to have yeah, him closer. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so if we're talking specifically about, so we're talking specific, like European civilization, but ru- ruled by religion rather than heads of state. Well, for one thing, I think that would mean that Europe as a whole would probably be a lot more unified. Like, cause you think you, so? I, yeah, I do. Oh, unified through fear, though. Not necessarily through fear, but it would, because you have the the way Europe kind of came to its current state is you've got like German philosophy and French philosophy have a lot of similarities, but then you get to like, you can, you can actually see where like natural boundaries in Europe split countries apart and then philosophies develop differently. Like Mm. the, the European Eastern nations develop differently than, um, the Germans develop differently than the French, and then you go up to England, and it's completely different because you guys were getting invaded from every side, and then you had the the native Celts there, which weren't even native to the island. They actually came from mainland Europe and then went over. The, it w- look at a map of like um, the genetic distribution in the world and like how the different migratory patterns happened. Like most of the uh, the people who live in Europe are actually descended from peoples that migrated out of Central Asia. Right. So, um, it's it's fascinating to look at this stuff, but I'm getting lost in the weeds. 
Uh, so Do you I, think North America, North America and South America would be united under one rule? It's entirely possible. I also think that there'd be less of a diversity of language because everything would probably be more Latin based because yeah. the church that's that was their their that's language. They speak, so they expect everyone else to. Yeah, yeah. So I'd expect that. Um, I would expect there to actually be a further. Um, like to science to have gone a lot further um, because really? there, because there wouldn't have been a, a there would be a lot less inter like inter European wars there'd be wars but, outward uh, but but there'd um, probably be a, like the reason know, what what does Russia what what's the Eastern Orthodox right so there there might be some differences there the Eastern Church versus the Roman Catholic Church I think that would be the major fault line in Europe like mm. within Europe. And maybe one of them would fight for for dominance. Um, if that were the if that did happen, I'd expect the Roman Catholic side to win, just because the Germans, French, and Spanish Shame were, numbers, yeah. and the Italians were much. They were also much better militarily than the Eastern blocs at the time. Um, True, but they are the Eastern bloc has a lot more extreme conditions. There is that hard to fight over there. There is that, but they would. I wouldn't think. Well, then again, I don't know, but Polish, Polish or Catholic, Poland, Lithuania, like almost conquered all of Europe at one point. Um, right. Uh, anyway, sorry, I don't want to get away from this point, but the reason I think yeah. scientific <laughs> progress would have proceeded further is the the time period that you talked about is where there were a lot of religions around the world, and several of them came to the conclusion that nothing is real because you know god or spirits or whatever can change everything at will so studying mm -hmm. the world has no inherent value studying religious text is more valuable whereas the a lot of the christian faiths came to the conclusion that you know um god created the world and therefore if we study the world we will come closer to god and understanding god and so yeah. that's why you saw an explosion of science in Europe at that time. Up until that point, the Middle East was kicking Europe's ass in terms of psych like scientific development. But mm. they went in the opposite direction, and Europe went in the, that direction. That's why I'm saying there'd be more progress because they'd yeah, be more. I think, sorry, they'd be more unified. There'd be that philosophy kind of driving them forward. Less inter-European wars. I think there would be. Uh, so I, I agree that within. Within one set of beliefs, everyone who follows that belief, they would be more unified. So yes, I think yeah. Europe would be a lot more solidified. But I think outside, like the exchange of commentaries between two religions, mm. would be a lot more hostile. Yes, that's why I, th I think they would be a lot more hostile to Middle East, Africa, to the Eastern Orthodox. They'd probably see them as like brethren, but there might be some tensions because there's some fundamental differences there. And Europe would probably be at war with America. Because I don't think America would stick with the same... Well, it depends. Uh, ...beliefs as Europe. Because they're so far away that they can kind of get away with stuff. <laughs> That's true. America might become... Because to a lesser extent, America was... A lot of people that came over here originally were people trying to get away from the old European establishment. And so maybe the people who don't necessarily agree with the unified Christian doctrine of that that um, 
religious oligarchy structure that flee to America and you know in much higher numbers. Um, that would be that's true. Yeah, there'd probably be a lot more animosity between the old and new world, depending mm -hmm. on how America developed in that that timeline. Because it was primarily yeah, I mean, it was pri primarily Protestant here, um, but Protestantism in general probably would be a lot less prominent in Europe, I'd think. Because if they were all unified like that, there'd be less room for it to grow and spread. Yeah, we couldn't very well uh, police state you too well, because for a start, there's that massive distance between us, and also, yeah. moving that many... Like, you'd have to send, like, troops and stuff over. Oh, yeah, when it takes, like... Which would weaken the eastern border significantly. I, don't, I really don't think that Europe would get on well with Russia. <laughs> no. I mean, they, they okay. never really have. Okay. Yeah, Russia's never really got on well with anyone. No. Although, one thing that's interesting, and I was... Uh, I was listening to... I was watching a, a history uh, YouTube channel, and the mm. guy made an interesting point that, um, you know, he did an alternate history thing where, you know, if... Basically, if communist Russia never arose, like the, the revolution was crushed... Russia would probably be one of the biggest superpowers in the world right now because they have some of the, they have some of the most rich mineral lands, they have amazing swaths of arable land for farming, they yeah. have big industrial centers. And before communism, they had a huge population and the population was only growing. Um and they had like pr a pretty rich culture and stuff like that too. They were fairly unified. They they could have easily become a superpower in the twentieth century had um, the Bolsheviks failed. Hmm. Just a fascinating little piece of history. Uh, so, what so do you think we would be? Where I think we would be? Well, first yeah. of all, my family probably. Well, it depends. Probably wouldn't have come over here because I, I honestly might not exist. Like, the Catholic part of my family from Ireland probably wouldn't have come over. Right. Because um, one of the reasons that of, for the animosity between the rest of the UK and Ireland um, at the time when they would have come over was because of the, the Catholic-Protestant divide between the mm. two. And that probably wouldn't have been the case in this scenario. Um, I'm trying to think where I'd be, because... I'm not particularly religious, as you know. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think my life would be all that much different. Uh, yeah. In my, I'm just thinking. In my case, if I was born at all, I would be in Europe. Hmm. To be fair, um, yeah. If 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 the if the capital of the religion, if if the the head of the religion was kept in Italy, I imagine that area of Europe would be a lot more affluent. Because yeah. there would be the, the people trying to get close to the church. Yeah, the head of state. And so I yeah. guess England would be kind of a bit more of an afterthought. Probably more like a just a, a dividing a, an area to get to America. So I'm sure there'd be a lot more yeah, I don't know trade and transport coming in and out of England. It'd essentially, uh, be just the uh, just an island as a port city, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. That's interesting. You ready for the second one? Yeah, let's hear it. Speaking of uh, traveling across the sea, 
ten years from now. So mm. this isn't really a history one. Um, second Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Or whatever Industrial Revolution it is. It'd be a technological revolution if we're talking about yep. the next ten years. And it fucks the environment hard. Yep. And all the land masses of the Earth submerged underwater. Mm-hmm. What would happen to the world when there is no land left? Like, they still have soil and stuff. There would be... Well, first of all, there would be some... La- even if all the ice melted and... Like, yeah, I know. But... You would still have... But you would have islands, essentially. And those islands would be the remnants of some of the taller mountains. Yeah. Not much... Um farmable there's not much you can get out of a mountain is what i'm saying no they become more arable by virtue of them being closer to the water but it would take a long time for them to be that valuable mm. so i think you'd so a few things um whatever so assuming people survive and there's enclaves on these little islands um well that's the thing do you think because there's three three ways in my mind that this is. either you find the last little bit of mountain and you set up camp on it hmm uh, you make just a fleet of ships, mm. or you try and make uh, raft style, just a a large floating city. Yeah, I think that probably you'd see a little bit of all of that. It, again, this is going to depend on how quickly this happens, mm. because we'll say every from it, people realizing that it's going to happen to actually happening, we'll say there's like a five year gap. Okay. So I'm... God, five years, uh, that's very rapid. Because if, mm. it, if it took... If we're talking about, like, enough to wipe out most of the land on Earth, like, um, that means it's going to be ra- rising pretty quickly. So coastal cities would be gone in, like, the first year or so. Um, so people might be able to evacuate, but you're going to see supply lines devastated, cities gone. There's not going to be enough infrastructure to support them. So within That's the first, true. any capital cities by the shoreline are going to get yeah, well, destroyed pretty quick. So that's what well, in- London for a start. Yeah, <laughs> in fact, the whole of England would be fucked pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, between between the U.S. and I mean, a lot of this comes down to the the colonial age, um, mm. but most major cities are on a coastline of some kind. Yeah. Like, or they're, they're like, near a port, or they have access to it somehow. Like, you know, Boston, Washington, New York, Los Angeles, you know, all Is of these... Washington? Yeah, yeah, it's it's right next to the water. Not, not like, oh. right next to it, but it's also in a swamp, which is, like, at sea level or very close to it. Yeah. Um, then you've got, you know, cities in, in Europe. I mean, Venice is fucking gone. Um... Or, they could, I mean, how long, how long does it take to make, like, a, a fucking tower? Like, if you built just, like, a solid, you need, need know that the flood's coming. Hmm. And so, I'm making it sound like it's a religious thing. Um, <laughs> and so you make, like, giant cemented pillars coming up from the ground, and then when the water hits, you'll still have that platform up there to... Yeah, you'd have to them. mobilize quite a significant amount of resources to do that, but... I mean, it's possible, like, China's proved that you can basically build an entire city from scratch in, like, ten years. So, if your sole purpose is to make something survivable, um, yeah, you could do that within, within... But you'd want to do it somewhere high, like, above sea level to start with, because you... 
like I said, the, the coastal cities are gone within the first couple of years, if we're talking yeah. about this scenario. Um, but I think either way, you're going to lose vast swaths of the population. Like, we're probably... It's, if the world population is still at or above a billion by the end of that five-year period, I'm surprised. I mean, if you think... If, okay, if everyone went into, like, they're like, alright, forget the jobs that we don't the are nice jobs that we don't actively need, mm. and they all just went into like shipbuilding or just learning engineering. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are ways that if this went well, then you could probably keep a decent amount of the population alive. But what I'm thinking of is resources and logistics. Like, mm-hmm. just if you if you track the supply chain that's needed just to make like a pencil, it's crazy how like how intertwined the supply lines are so if you're having flooding you're losing major cities you're losing major ports big places with a lot of infrastructure in them you're gonna see people are gonna starve basically is what's gonna happen that's another thought also massive man-made forests would have to be made because all the forests in the world are gonna get fucking drowned Except for the the ones in mountains. Like, they're actually... You got pine forests and stuff up on mountains. Um, Percentage-wise, though, I'd say, like, over 90% is probably below the... Yeah. Yeah, they'd be below um, the water. So Um, the oxygen supply is going to start cutting out. So they have to build man-made forests above the ground. Not necessarily. You can do a similar thing. Uh, The whole reason that we have a majority oxygen atmosphere is because... Early, early days of the Earth, you know, a couple billion years after it formed. Um, mm. Like, most of the atmosphere was, like, carbon dioxide and stuff. And it was microscopic organisms, like photosynthetic microscopic organisms in the ocean. Big algae things and stuff that would eat, right. eat that, that carbon dioxide and, you know, put out the oxygen. So they could do something similar. You know, maybe prepare, like, massive cultures of these things that would be able to convert the uh or keep keep oxygen in the atmosphere but the thing is Mm. yeah there's there's a lot to think about in this one but i think the the primary thing is no matter what you're losing huge amounts of people because yeah you're not gonna be able to feed them the like there's gonna be panic there's gonna be riots there's gonna be flooding especially in poorer countries where they don't have the money to evacuate or build towers and stuff like that that's what's going. I think you and me would be fine. I think me especially would be fine. Because we have the 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 means to uh, mobilize cuz it's a very small amount of people in England compared to well, yeah. Like, and compared to the amount countries. of land we have, I think the US population is somewhere in the neighborhood of 330 340 million people. Yeah. And we have just an absolutely enormous amount of land, most of which is above sea level. But when um, I think about, like, Africa or India, I mean... Yeah. And that, for a start, I don't think... I think India... Well, India's fucked. The northern places where they can get up into the mountains, into the Himalayas, they might be cool, but... I was going to say China's probably fucked, but with the amount of industry that they have there, maybe they could Yeah. Uh, keep up with the demand... Sorry. Yeah, I know you're trying to figure out if your camera's I, blurry. I, yeah. le- I leant forward and it's fucked it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. 
But I, China, I mean, both of those countries would lose tons of people, though, just because of their huge populations. Like, they're already... Bare, like, right now, they're running out of water, and that's in a decent, like, climate. India and China are actually Jeez. posing... Like, they, they could go to war in the next 10 years or so over water, because China's making dams to try and preserve water and make sure their people have enough. And yeah. those dams are blocking water that goes to India, which also is having problems with water. And then there's Japan in their mix. Yeah. <laughs> they just make... Just make um, Japan, yeah. Just they, game they is, well, Japan's actually probably in a decent spot, because they have a ton... Like, the core of the, the island is just mountains. Tons and tons of mountains. I guess, yeah. I was going to say they would flood very quickly, but then I guess they do have a lot of verticality to it, so... Yeah. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad. Yeah, I think that's that's as far as I can get with that one. Um, I think Russia would have a lot of landmass still, because they've got so many mountains. Oh, yeah, the Ural Mountains all, all throughout the... Yeah, the the core of the, um, the country. There's a mountain range that goes right through it. I think that'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. They don't have a huge population to begin with, and they have a ton of land they can work with. The real tragedy mm. is when they run out of vodka. That's when shit really gets scary. Okay, uh, one more. I think we've got time for. Yeah, let's one more. Yeah, we're actually, okay. yeah, it's almost perfect timing. Hmm. So, uh, ooh, I got a choice of two. Hmm. <laughs> What about... Where do you think the world would go if... Okay, so uh, VR mm. really kicks off. Mm. And it gets to a state where it is much like Sword Art Online. Mm. Where you can literally completely lose consciousness and just be in this other world where you can hear, touch, smell taste um, it's basically exact replica of real life mm. um, but some people still need to be in the real world to you know make sure the, the machines are still running that people are fed that kind of things mm. do you think do, do you think that would be like the point where everyone where, where we stop progressing as a as the human race because um, personally, I think given that where people could just, if they want something, they only have to write a bit of code, and it suddenly appears in the world to their consciousness. Yeah. Um, like, why would they bother progressing in the real world when they just have the best possible life in this imaginary world? I think what you would see is sort of like a neo-feudalism. And hear me out on this, because you're right, if it's perfect like that and they can have whatever they want in the virtual world and uh, mm. that's really the place, they, they need to be able to afford the resources to keep them in that, that world. So you essentially end up with like a lower class who is constantly in VR and they just hedonistic, they're in the machine, they're in there doing whatever... Um, lower classes in the VR. Mm hmm. This is this is what okay. I'm because if you're saying like VR is ubiquitous, um, and I'm I'm thinking like end game. Like at first, you're right. It's going to be like a toy for the rich, right? Yeah. But 
I mean, think about kind of the way we have things right now. Like, just we're already starting to see that people who are like well off or wealthy or rich, like they eat different, better quality food. Like they have like better, you know, health and better all, all this other fun stuff. Whereas the the poor people, they're eating you know shitty junk food and stuff like that and getting fat. You know, right? You're, you're already starting to see that that kind of distinction. So I think it'd be, it'd be the same sort of thing. And instead of like you know junk food or beer or whatever that is keeping kind of the the poor people, um, you know, in check and the the people on top the way they are, you'd end up it'd end up being VR. So like they go in there, they live this perfect hedonistic life inside the VR. They could, you, know, you know clean air and beautiful vistas, and if you could do whatever depraved shit you want because it's all virtual anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but they'd need resources to keep them there, so they'd have to come out and do some kind of labor, some kind of job. Now, this yeah, is the, say, if if anyone's running the machines from the outside, it would have to theoretically be the the poor people because the yeah rich people wouldn't want to leave their fantasy. I mm, maybe, but I think in the same way that you don't see a whole lot of rich people chugging beer. I think it's the same thing. The, the rich people would use it as like a mild indulgence, right? Whereas the... I think you don't see rich people chugging beer because it's A, a risk to their wealth, because if they drunkenly go and punch a policeman, then they're in trouble. And two, because they wake up with a horrible fucking hangover in the morning. Well, that's but, why they didn't do it. But that's that's my point, is that I think... A lot of the people who end up being wealthy end up being wealthy because they make better decisions. Like some, there's a there's an element of luck and you know family lineage and all that that fun stuff. Like they inherit stuff, but in the like, kind of countries that we live in today, I would agree yeah, that. yeah. So that's why I, that's my idea for the dystopian scenario, right? You got people mm-hmm. who they they do whatever minimal work they have to do to keep themselves in VR then they go back to VR and just use it and meanwhile you've got the the nobility up on top who essentially keep that system going and just uh you know ride high and live luxuries in real life yeah um whereas reality becomes the indulgence reality is is the uh the the nice thing of the elite and i also think you'd see like a rise of like neo amish people who abstain from all vr they they live only in the real um I now think the, that would be quite a small percentage of people though it probably I think would they'd be, be seen oh, yeah. as the kind of they'd be well that's why uh, i said neo amish because the amish are kind of looked like that now whereas they're they live in yeah. their farms they they ride in wagons they you know that now that's the dystopian scenario i think mm-hmm. a positive way that it could go is if robotics has developed to the point where, um, so you're in VR, and so you can actually live an entire life in VR. Say the the pod you're in or whatever is, it's got a life support system, so it's feeding your body nutrients, yep. a little electrical stimulation to keep your muscles from atrophying. Um, and in VR, you can control robotics and stuff like that. So people could still be designing and innovating and making new technology, and robotic. Well, that's the thing. I was gonna say that, like, whilst um, scientific. Uh, What's the word? Progress. Revolutions, progress, progress yeah. wouldn't be happening so much. I think 
art and design and things would definitely get a massive increase and like yeah i think in in both scenarios that that the art thing is true but i think in scenario number two scientific progress could go further and actually be accelerated because you're in vr and you can Mm. essentially just create whatever you want in front of you and then if you could feed that into like an automated robotic fabrication machine of some kind and it would just make this new thing people could be upgrading and innovating and developing new technology without ever leaving VR. But you'd have to set the rules for something that you've put into the VR. So you'd have to give it... have to say, okay, the VR world that I'm in has the same rules as Earth. So the same gravity, the same, like, Mm. chemicals in the air, combustion works the same weight works the same uh you'd have to put in all these things and so if you're having like even just like a simple mineral like the number of raw th- of the of things that could go wrong in real life because of the tiniest little atom changes yeah you wouldn't have that in a vr scenario so you couldn't just say i plug this cable into this and it makes an end well you could do that you could say i put this cable into this box and it becomes an engine because yeah. that's what I wanted to do. But there's no reason for you to actually um, do that physically in the VR. Because you could just open up a, like an interface, essentially. I'm, I'm picturing... Exactly. So like, that's what I mean, is you could... Like, 3D modeling software. So say you, you're like, I have this idea for making, say, a, a new engine, a better engine mm-hmm. than we've ever seen before. You just model it all in VR, and then you like basically send it off, send the model off to some, you know fabrication robot and it creates that new engine in real life so that's what i'm saying is like technological innovation could actually continue and could actually um increase if you know people were stuck in but that's that's the positive scenario personally i think it would go the dystopian route um yeah or we could all just you know plug in there and just end up like the fucking dark eldar the dark eldar what happened to them no, you don't. Warhammer 40k lore. I know it's Warhammer 40k lore. I, I don't know much about the Dark Eldar. I know they keep slaves. It's and they like so the dark the Dark Eldar. Little little bit of a um, lore uh, drop here. In 40k, the Dark Eldar were like the Eldar, but mm. they they Is essentially no. They essentially um, developed to the point where like everything was taken care of for them, like. Their lives were very long, but also not very challenging because they had invented all this great technology. They had nothing in the universe that could really threaten them. And so they just started to indulge in, you know, whatever fancy took them. At first it was like art, and then it grew into giant orgies, and then it grew into violence. Blood and sports and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And they eventually, just, just to essentially to feel anything they had to keep getting more and more extreme and extreme and extreme yeah and um they corrupted themselves that way and so that that's that's what i'm thinking of like in the vr thing is like if there's no consequences if everything's taken care of for you and you can just indulge i think people could go down a very very dark dark path honestly i think the best lifestyle in all of 40k is probably the orcs they live so free (laughs) Just in little tribes, they just they just believe and things happen. Yeah, I I, oh, I I really do like the orcs. 
Yeah, the Orcs are fucking awesome. If they didn't have such, like, iffy um, morals about, like, Gretchen and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be a Gretchen in that world. No, you do not. Gretchen being these little tiny Orcs that the other Orcs would occasionally just brutalize or eat for fun. Yeah, the Gretchen kind of does do the building and stuff for the Orcs, and mm. then the Orcs kind of just, like, kick them around and... Yeah. Stuff. Uh, <laughs> Sci-fi lore. Yeah. All right. Well, that was actually that was fun. I liked those. Those were good. Thank you. Uh, but uh, yeah, any final thoughts before we close out? Uh, we better watch a um, film this week. Yeah, we really do need to. Uh, I have a couple that I have been thinking about for a while too. Whenever it gets back to me. Mm. <clears throat> Anyway, this is going to be the end of episode 53 of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again next week. Have a splendid week. <laughs>